situated. Okay. All right. So I think Callie and I have finally figured out how to podcast. <laughs> After how many episodes? Like, we have a good setup. Yeah. Um, but this week we were trying things out on the couch. So we were able to figure out how to set up dual microphones. And each of us have our own mic instead of sharing one. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. So this is nice. Um, so... Any remarks from this week? Special shout-outs? Um, well, I got stuck with another sinus infection, which I'm not happy about. Which is why we're experimenting with the two microphones. Yes. Because I don't want it. I don't want it either, but yet I'm stuck with it. (laughs) Um, gosh, what have I done since the last time we recorded? I can't remember. <laughs> I went and got my nails done. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Um, yeah, I don't really know what I've done. It's just, <laughs> I would say a lot of nothing. Potentially worked. <laughs> yeah, well. I gotta pull up my notes. <laughs> Where's the iPad? Back there, it's dead. Uh, I started keeping my notes on Google Docs, so now I can just <laughs> pull them up on your phone. Um. So what have you done this week? <laughs> well, I worked. Um. I feel like I've done a lot, but yet I can't think of anything. Um. Hmm. Let me think about it. Um. Most of my life has been the World Cup lovely um the u.s plays in the morning at 3 a.m hello i would like to watch this game please but they're playing portugal so i am pretty confident that i'm gonna wake up to a w the netherlands game for all my world cup fans out there the netherlands game how stressful was that I was beyond stressed. The first half, I don't know who was out there playing, but it was not the U.S. Women's National Team. They were playing like actual garbage. Um, And then the second half, they were like, it was a whole new team. (laughs) Rose Lavelle came out and took over for Savannah. I love Savannah, but she needed to go. I was ready for her to exit the game. She was fouling left and right, which was just giving away free kicks. We can't do that in the World Cup, honey. (laughs) you're giving them possession of the ball um so rose came in and it just like changed the game they must have had a heck of a pep talk in the locker room at halftime yeah like what the heck were you doing out there get your act together netherlands scored within the first like 20 minutes and i was like we're screwed if y'all are going to continue to play like this we're screwed um and they they were on our field quite a bit on our side of the field quite a bit and then um Second half, they barely touched our side of the field. I don't know. One change in the lineup just, like, got everybody's act together. Yeah. But anyways. um, I literally have no idea what she's talking about because I do not watch the World Cup, and I I just don't watch soccer. (laughs) Well, they tied one-to-one. If they had won the game, they would have moved out of the group round and immediately moved forward. Um, but since they tied, they now have to play Portugal. And so, if they don't win against Portugal, then they're going to be in some rough, tough stuff. But they should, hopefully, ideally. Because how sad would it be if the U.S. Women's National Team did not even make it out of the group stage? That's out of 16 possible teams. Yeah, that would be kind of sad. <clears throat> And you didn't make it out. Of, not No, not 16. There's more this year. There's the round of 16. They wouldn't even make it to the round of 16. And they're going for a three-peat. Like, you ain't getting a three-peat if you don't make it out of the groups, folks. If they don't play a lot better, they ain't going to get the three-peat. Honestly, I don't know if they will this year or not. There's so many teams that are just like... It's like... I think it was... Gabby Wambach said it on the Today Show... They're going for a three-peat, but the only thing about it is is the U.S. is no longer the top team. 
they used to just like blast people out of the water just knock them down buddy um but teams have gotten better because teams are getting more money and they're getting better trainers and coaches and players um and so like this year this is going to be a tough world cup for any team to win like normally the u.s like the 2015 world cup that they won they refaced against japan which was supposed to be this big rematch because they lost in 2011 to japan in the final and in 2015 they faced him again the final was like oh we're coming back we're back and better than ever japan made it to the very top like it was them versus u.s in the final and the u.s beat them like five to nothing and it was just like how did this team make it this far Because it was really kind of ridiculous. Like, you were like, why is this so easy? (laughs) And that's how it used to be. And then even the next, in 2019, it was was hard. Like, there were some teams that gave us a run for our money, but we pretty much had everybody. This year, there are so many teams that I'm nervous to play. Like, are there, like, there's probably, like, tons of, like, underdog teams that you... There's a lot. I would, I love the U.S., and I would love for a three-peat. But if somebody like Sweden or the Netherlands gets it, I'm going to celebrate because they've never won a World Cup. Their countries haven't. And they're such underdogs. And they're really like, people are really rooting for them because they've never won. People rooted for them last time. Um, The Netherlands is who we faced in the final last time, which is why this game was so big. Um, But... There's a lot of underdog teams. As long as England doesn't win it. And I know that if you know me, like that's shocking to hear that I would not be rooting for England. But there are some players on the England team that I just, I don't really love. (laughs) We've played them in the past and they've had a little bit of a sore loser situation going on or sore winner. Um... And I just don't appreciate that kind of stuff. So I really just don't want to see England take it. Like, I'm sorry, but I don't. Would rather anybody else. But anyways, I've been watching that and reading. And, oh, I binged all of the new season of Sweet Magnolias and the new season of The Witcher. Oh, yeah, you Both told me you were going to do that. Me. <laughs> um, I'd be okay if Sweet Magnolias didn't get another season. But I really want one specifically for two characters that are so close to being together and let's just say they were holding hands in the finale and they're bright like you're it's kind of one of those things like it's understood like if they don't get another season you can see where everybody's gonna end up eventually they ended it at a good point where you're like "Eh, if it doesn't get another season you can kind of guesstimate where everybody ends up um but i i want another purely for those two characters um the witcher So many thoughts about The Witcher. The Witcher did exactly what I didn't want it to do. And it involves Henry Cavill not being back next season. Yeah. They did exactly what I didn't want them to do. Um, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it. Um, It was a crazy, 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 crazy season. I'm just ticked that Henry Cavill left... The Witcher mm-hmm. to go back to DC to play <coughs> Superman, but mm-hmm. then they fired him, and then they fired him because DC wants to revamp again, which is not working, by the way. No, it's not been good since Christian Bale quit being Batman. Yeah, that was the last good We're DC not- movie that existed. Yeah, I really don't want it. Well, um. No one likes Ben Affleck as Batman. We Gosh. Call, we call no. We call him Fat Affleck. I am now. I anti do Affleck. I <laughs> now I cannot stand him. Now I will say he is up there with Jake Gyllenhaal. Now I will say the only other Batman that I do like is Robert Pattinson's Batman. Mm-hmm. I did mm-hmm. like that, and I really want more movies with I him. About that book, yeah. Or, I, book. <laughs> Hello. Um. And the other reason that I don't like the DCU right now is because Ezra Miller is still the Flash when he should not be. Well, and I think they really need to think about some things because 
if Amber Heard is still in that movie, oh, nobody's never going to go to another DC movie ever again. Like, I love Jason Momoa, but I will not watch that movie if she's in it. I don't care if she has like one minute of screen time. I'm still not going to go see it. Carly and I were watching the second Magic Mike. And she's in it as the love interest. And Carly and I just spent the whole time, every time she's on the screen, going, ew, no. (laughs) Red flag. Um, Oh, I can't stand her. Yeah, we went to, well, (laughs) yeah, it's just, DC, I've never been a huge DC fan. And so anytime we went to go see the movies, I'm like, it's whatever. (laughs) Yeah, no. I'm more of a Marvel fan. Of course, with the rate Marvel's going, that's probably fixing Marvel's to... Marvel's losing me. That's probably fixing to die away. Dad has been trying to convince me to go watch the Marvels. And I looked at him. I said, I have no interest in watching that. Now, I'll mm-hmm. watch it if it comes out on Disney Plus. Or I'll just watch the freaking post credit scene. The last movie that I watched that was Marvel. That I was just like, this is Marvel. This is fantastic. This is why Marvel is the way it is. Is truly and honestly... The last Avengers movie. Endgame? That was the last time I was oh, yeah. obsessed with a Marvel movie. That was a moment in history. <laughs> no other Marvel no other Marvel movie since then has beaten that in my head. I think Endgame Infinity War and Endgame, you kinda have to put them together because that was it's the part one and part two. Yeah. You know? That's the was the peak of Marvel. Now there have been some movies in phase four where I've been like, okay, this is really good. Like for example, oh, I will exclude the Spider-Mans. I love the Spider-Mans. Yeah. I loved Shang-Chi. I really loved Shang-Chi. I thought it was really it interesting because really that's good. a character that no one really knows a lot about. Mm-hmm. And it had some ties with Iron Man with the man with the 10 rings and all that stuff. And I also loved all the Spider-Man movies. Spider-Man No Way Home was pure joy. Yes, so I take back what I said. The, the last Spider-Man was the last good Marvel movie I watched. <gasps> purely because Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. Well, and so, now some of the shows have been yeah. okay. Some of them, not so much. We just watched, me and Dad just finished the Secret Invasion one. Yeah. Anyways, maybe we should get into the episode. Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Family Fiction with Hallie and Corman. And today we are going to be doing our July wrap up. But before we get into that, uh, let's go ahead and talk about our currently reading. Oh gosh, oh. I don't have anything. <laughs> I was not prepared. Um, what are you thinking about reading next? I really, honestly, thought about reading. Um, Red, white, and royal blue next because I've got it back there. Um, I am so I, excited I for want that to show. Have it done before it, like it comes out. That show looks so funny. They the casting, no complaints. It's gonna tear my heart apart. We're, we will probably need to watch it together. It's gonna be rough. <laughs> I. It's gonna be rough. Yeah. Um. I thought about reading that next just because I think the show comes out or movie whatever it is comes out very soon. I think it's a movie. I think it's a movie. It's coming on Amazon Prime. Um, we need to watch it together. But it. Yeah, the casting I looks I think it's coming great. out soon, like this month. Well, August. Um, so I need to read it. Yeah. And then I was going to go ahead and listen to the second Bridgerton book. Uh, my currently reading, well, I've technically not started it yet. By the time the episode goes up, it'll be started. Um, I'm going to be reading... Uh, the Heaven Officials Blessing Volume 4. So, really excited. The cover is very interesting, <laughs> to say the least. I've, I've, uh, <laughs> fun time. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Why are you staring at me? It, he wants attention. Hello? Right here. Oh, you can't go over the court. Sammy! <laughs> Sammy! <laughs> We're recording in the living room, so... Here. Come on. I think he just wants to play. He does, but I'm not reaching down there for it. Sorry to tell you. <laughs> Anyways. Um, okay. How many do you have? Uh, I have five. Okay. Mm. I'm going to start us off and you can end us. Well, two of them I'm technically going to put together because they belong in the same series. So... Either way, you still have more. Go ahead and start us off. 
Um, so the first one that I'm going to do is Lightbringer by Claire Legrand. It is the third book in the Imperium trilogy. Um, do I want to read the synopsis? You can kind of give your brief summary. Because if you read the synopsis, it might give things away for the series. <laughs> or you can read the, the synopsis for the first one. Um, yeah, why don't we just read the synopsis for the first one? That way you guys have an idea. I gotta find it. Um, hold please. <laughs> it's in here somewhere. Uh, there it is. So, this is the summary for the first book. When assassins ambush her best friend, Riel Darden risks everything to save him, exposing herself as one of a pair of prophesized queens, a queen of light and one of blood. To prove she is the Sun Queen, Riel must endure seven elemental magic trials. If she fails, she will be executed as the Blood Queen, unless the trials kill the queen first. One thousand years later, the legend of Queen Riel is a fairy tale to Eliana Farakora. A bounty hunter for the Undying Empire, Eliana believes herself untouchable until her mother vanishes. To find her, Eliana joins a rebel captain and discovers that the evil at the Empire's heart is more terrible than she ever imagined. As Riel and Eliana fight in a cosmic war that spans millennia, their stories intersect and the shocking connections between them ultimately determine the fate of their world and of each other. Dun dun dun. So... Trigger warnings for Lightbringer, which um, is vomit, depression, self-harm, torture, murder, war, and abusive manipulation, possibly grooming. Um, That was the trigger warning in the last book, and I think it still applies to this book. So um, this book is an emotional roller coaster. Like, from the very beginning of the book, it is just misery city. It is... As any book should be. <laughs> it is so depressing that oh. I was literally reading it, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's... Ugh. I was like, I need... I need something. Um, Definitely went through some mind games with this book, because there's, like, a whole... With Eliana, there's, like, a whole dream sequence where, like, she doesn't know what's real and what's not real. <sighs> And I hate salt and sorrows. <laughs> I hate that. Ooh, speaking of that, I know. I, I got the second it's in book. My Amazon cart. I got the second book, and I got it's the Barnes and Noble exclusive edition. So like the edges of the pages are purple. Mm, I'm really annoyed that they're not offering it in paperback because my House of Salt and Sorrows is paperback. Yeah, I kind of just learned to get over that. <laughs> um, well, I'm kind of just trying to treat it as a different because it's technically not a direct sequel it's technically a spinoff so well anyways um i will say riel absolutely slayed in this book um she did what needed to be done it was well worth it um i would say okay so this is technically not a spoiler um there is time travel in this book Because it's a, like cosmic war spans millennia. Their stories intersect. So there's technically there's time travel involved, um, and I will say it worked well for the ser- for the trilogy, which is kind of weird because you really don't see time travel in like a fantasy epic fantasy story. You really don't, and it really worked well, especially with like how it worked. So like there are these like cre- there's these group of people. They're called Marks, and they're kind of like a combination of like they're descendants of angels and humans so they can like create portals and they can go to like a different place entirely or they can go somewhere in time it's it's fun and it really works because like it has consequences which is nice um i loved the ending i was really afraid for how it was gonna end and i'm actually quite happy with it um overall i think it was it was a very good ending to the trilogy and yeah it just also i gotta give a shout out to my poor boy my boy simon and remy they man they went through some stuff in this book i just wanted to reach through the pages and just give them a hug and be like are you okay (laughs) because it wasn't fun and the villain is a piece of garbage so i know um 
very, very, very uh, mentally manipulative. It's, ah. <laughs> um, overall, great ending to the trilogy. Um, I will say this is probably the only, probably one of the, a trilogy that I've read in a while where each book has been good. N not one book was like a dud. And usually you can find that in a trilogy where like one book is like not as good as the others, or usually it's the second book where it's like just, eh, it's, it's a dud. Every book was good and every book was better than the previous one. So, um, I'm going to give it five out of five stars. It was fantastic. Loved it. Um, it I, <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> We're going to start with the least traumatizing book on my list. <laughs> um, probably the only one I didn't throw across the room. All right. <laughs> so the first book I have on my list is We'll Always Have Summer by Jenny Han. So this was the third and final book to The Summer I Turned Pretty. And da, 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 da. Um, I thought it was a great way to end the trilogy. Really wrapped everything up really well. Um, I'm very excited for the rest of season two. It's very good so far. Um, I have a complaint about one individual character. And I think we all know who I'm talking about because nobody likes her. Um, them, sorry. Nobody likes them. And yeah, I... I I need them to go away. <laughs> They're the worst. Um, I like having the whole series. So this is one thing I said to Hallie to read the whole trilogy before she watches any of the show. I like having the whole series under my belt going into season two. Because um, there's a couple things that came over from season three or from book three into season two that you're like, oh, if you read the book, then you know what that's about. Um, and I wish I had had that for season one. So, it is a good way to go. Um, so, without spoiling anything, I have some questions about the ending. And one of my friends and I have talked about this. And I hope by the way that that ended, it meant, it means that they ended up buying and living in the summer house at the end. Because that's the only way I can imagine it happening. Um, and I'm not spoiling anything. But I feel like that's what was basically said without saying it. So I'm wondering if that's how that actually happened. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought it was a great way to wrap up the series. I'm very happy with the way everything turned out. I feel like it definitely flushed out like everything you were needing to be done. Yeah. Kind of like a... Like a Twilight New Moon situation. Uh. You got to see both sides of the story. <laughs> um, but yeah, I gave the book a five, writing a five, character a five, plot a four, and then Spice a one. Because they're, I mean, they kiss. Uh, <laughs> I got nothing else. Like, <laughs> they hold hands. It's spicy. Um, Ooh, so spicy. That all we get. Uh, but yeah, Hallie, next. Okay, so the next one, um, I'm technically going to put these two together because they're a part of the same series. Um, and that is The Summer I Turned Pretty and It's Not Summer Without You by Jenny Hahn. Yes, that's why I didn't give my synopsis because I was like, yeah, she's going to give the first book synopsis. So, um, when each summer begins, Belly leaves her school life behind and escapes to Cousins Beach, the place she has spent every summer of her life. Not only does the beach house mean home away from home, but her favorite people are there. Susanna, her mother's best friend, and her sons, Conrad and Jeremiah. Belly has been chasing Conrad for as long as she can remember, and more than anything, she hopes this summer will be different. Despite distractions from a new guy named Cam and lingering looks from Conrad's brother, Jeremiah, Belly's heart belongs to Conrad. Will he offer his to her? Will this be the summer that changes everything? Well, <laughs> um, yeah. first of all, I would still love to say that you've said the, ser the series is Taylor Swift coded. So are the books. <laughs> it's, it kind of makes, it kind of, especially Conrad. Cause I'm like, he's so, Taylor I'm like, -coded. Taylor, did you write this book? <laughs> he's very folklore coded. He is. Wow. <laughs> um, so 
I liked it. Um, I thought it was a cute summer read. Uh, mm-hmm. It was very, very short. I flew through both of the books. I think I read them in the span of like two days. Okay. I read each of them in a day. Yeah. Like well, each of them only took me a day. Um, you may not understand what I'm fixing to say, but for some of you who have been on Wattpad for quite a few years, um, you'll understand where I'm coming from. This series pretty much reads like it's been on Wattpad before. Which I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I, anytime I was reading it, I was like, I felt like this should be on Wattpad. <laughs> I felt that way about several books that I've read. And I'm just like... And not as a positive. Mainly because of... main. The reason I feel like it's this way is mainly because of Belly. She reminds me of a main character on Wattpad and not in a good way. Speaking of that. <laughs> not in a good way. There were a lot of times, especially in the second book, where Belly got on my nerves. Oh, what? yes. Same. I'm like, honey, the, the world doesn't like revolve Belly. around you. In the second book, I was like, Belly. But in the retrospect to her interactions with Taylor, I was like, Taylor needs to get on somewhere. Which brings me because to my... Because in those moments, I was like, Belly brings me, has a right to grieve. Like, what are you doing? Which brings me to my next point. Belly needs a new best friend. <laughs> I'm so glad. So one thing I will say, they changed that in the show. She is not like that in the show. Thank goodness. And I'm really glad they changed that because that was toxic. Taylor. That's somebody I don't want as my best friend. Is Well, let me tell you, I have had one of those in my life. I have um, too. And that's why. Basically, any. <laughs> I texted Carmen as soon as I got like my first flashback with Taylor. I was like, I cannot stand this girl. She has pick me syndrome she's awful in the mood or in the show that completely she i'm so glad very much reminds me of one of my best friends that i don't talk to anymore who acted like that in some ways there's mm, um i'm not gonna get into that (laughs) um i may tell you off podcast your warnings for toxic friendships (laughs) i'll tell you the story off the podcast um but yeah taylor was annoying i love jeremiah though i (laughs) He's so beautiful. He's like, he gives me golden retriever vibes. Like, yes, the way he acts. I'm just like, I'm like, I'm like, if you, if, if Conrad wants nothing to do with you, he's right. He's right there. I go through with these books. I go through the same and I still am like this, even knowing the end of the book, like this is still how I am. Even from book one, I was like, I can already tell what's going to happen here. It's going to be the same situation as it was with Twilight. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I like Bella better with Edward, but I love oh, Jacob. Jacob. I, I like am- her better with Conrad, but I love Jeremiah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, and it kind of drove me crazy in the second book where she was like, okay, at the end of it, I was, she's like, okay, I'm just going to. Forget about Conrad. I'm just going to pick one. Like, girl. Literally. She closed her eyes and pointed at somebody and said, you're it. Literally. Cameron. Literally the second book, she goes right back to chasing Conrad. I'm like, girlfriend. (laughs) He doesn't want you. She struggles. struggles. Uh, Like, the second book, I feel like, was very. The first book was, I read it. I'd say I read it a lot quicker than the second book. Second book was a little slower. Which I kind of expected. The third one's really good. Also, I would just love to point out how, like, Conrad and Jeremiah's dad is kind of the worst. The worst. <laughs> they've introduced, introduced, they've introduced a new character in the show, and it's their aunt that's trying to, like, sell the house. I liked The Summer I Turned Pretty. Um, shoot, shoot, <laughs> short, cute, summer read. Um, I gave The Summer I Turned Pretty four out of five stars, and then I gave It's Not Summer Without You a 3.6 out of five. Um, <laughs> yep, that's it. Okay. Move on to your next one. <laughs> next. Um, heavens. I uh, listened to oh boy. the first Bridgerton book. The Gee, Duke how I. fun was that? Huh? How fun was that? The book is so much better than they did with the first season. Listen. I, liked, I did not like the first season of the show. In comparison, season two was so much better. Um, but the book, it was pretty good. And I was like, wow, we left a lot of things out of the show, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. 
she was an idiot though have you watched all of season one <laughs> yes she's a dummy i figured that out like the episode they were to officially married together i was like is she not figuring this out and yeah. then she it's finally like, figures it out and it's this big catastrophe and i'm like girl i've been knowing this the whole season <laughs> this is no shock to my system yeah i was literally like i've not started season um, two yet first i'm tra- all, they gave enough of his background story that i knew what he really meant when he said i can't have kids i was like yeah i knew can, that from the get-go can, he doesn't want to i knew it from that point and then yeah there was and then the specific was i was like no. and then there's the specific scene that made me very uncomfortable and where it just ah which one there's several <laughs> The ladder, the stairs, or the gazebo, or the desk, or the dining no, room table. where she finally figures, Several. where she finally figures out. Oh, where she like forces herself on him? Yeah, I was That's like. one of the things. I was so like, people have been talking girl. about that as a trigger warning because like nobody talks about it and they feel like fans overlooked it, but that, that was great. <laughs> I was watching it and I was literally like, whoa, 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 oh, huh? Like, that's not okay, Daphne. Like, anyway, I knew... Let me read this synopsis. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. In the ballrooms and drawing rooms of Regency London, rules abound. From their earliest days, children of aristocrats learn how to address an earl and curtsy before a prince, while other dictates of the ton are unspoken yet universally understood. A proper duke should be imperious and aloof. A young, marriageable lady should be amiable, but not too amiable. Daphne Bridgerton has always failed at the latter, the fourth of eight siblings in her close-knit family. She has formed friendships with the most eligible young men in London. Everyone likes Daphne for her kindness and wit, but no one truly desires her. She is simply too deduced... Sorry. She is simply too deuced... Honest for that. Too unwilling to play the romantic games that captivate gentlemen. I feel like I'm reading a Jane Austen book. What is this? Amiability is not a characteristic shared by Simon Bassett, Duke of Hastings. Recently returned to England from abroad, he intends to shun both marriage and society, just as his callous father shunned Simon throughout his painful childhood. Yet an encounter with his best friend's sister offers another option. If Daphne agrees agrees to a fake courtship simon can deter the mamas who parade their daughters before him daphne meanwhile will see her prospects and her reputation soar the plan works like a charm at first but amid the glittering gossipy cutthroat world of london's elite there's only one certainty love ignores every rule now i will say my number one complaint about the show was that they didn't draw out their story long enough yeah i feel like it was very Philly like was very rushed. It was slow burn in the book. Oh boy, slow burn. I just also that whole like boxing situation that is not in the book. I'm not really sure where Shonda pulled that from. They needed something to fill up time. I guess. Um, but, yeah. I will say though, Daphne's probably my least favorite sibling. Oh, 100. She's mine. Uh, you know who my favorite is? Eloise. Nope. Colin. Nope. Benedict. Nope. Anthony. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> I love. He is my favorite. He's so funny. I like all the brothers. I feel like they're all hilarious. He cracks me up. He's Benedict so cra- funny and like Benedict bitter. is funny. <laughs> Benedict is it's funny so too. Funny. Have you watched season two yet? No. Oh my gosh, season two is so good. Anthony is like the bitterest human of all, and it's so funny watching him like do his best. I can't explain more. El- but oh, Eloise, Eloise is quite funny. She the very that first scene whole where scene where she was like. How, how does one come to be with a child? Oh, my gosh. Goes, we're going to go get our sticks out. <laughs> Colin Bridgerton for a round of fencing, mother. <laughs> I just love how when she first oh, sits down and so she goes, funny. I bet you two know. And Benedict's like, do not look at me. <laughs> then Colin goes, have you ever visited a farm, Eloise? <laughs> I love them. They are funny. Benedict is he must be protected at all costs. That scene where he's drunk. He's so funny. He cracks me up. Yeah, I just... Um, he's precious. Whenever he does that, like, thing where he goes... 
and like sinks down in his chair. <laughs> I love him. Um, no, but Anthony. Oh, I know. Listen, Colin got a glow up though. That was what some the funniest things about being a Bridgerton fan is you don't have to know whose season it's gonna be. If you don't already know, you can figure it out by the character's glow up. Whichever character has the best glow up, that's the person. That's the character that's going to have the love story this season. I'm ready for season three. Because Antony came back and he didn't have his atrocious sideburn. <laughs> um, and he just looked fitter and he looked so good. And now this new season, Colin's looking great. He's got a new hairdo. Penelope has got some gray hair rocking. She's out of the yellow dresses. And so you're like, you would know just by that. That's who season is going to be. Because they said that you know by whichever character has the glow up. Which is true. Those two were killing me. I was like, Ugh. get together. No. Colin and... Oh my Colin. gosh. They are... They're dancing around each other like I don't know what. It's killing me. I'm not she, ready for... She's ready. I'm not ready for... Like, I'm not ready for season two <laughs> when I watch it. Season two is so good, though. I was pining with season two. Season three is going to be what destroys me because... Apparently that book is very smutty. So I'm like, great, here we go. <laughs> Wonderful. Apparently there's a carriage scene. Oh no. Yeah. No. As long as it's not over a dead body, I'm fine. <laughs> that was her- that I was, was traumatizing. I was mortified while I was if reading. You don't know that. what we're talking about. We're talking about the third book in the No, it was the second book. Um are you sure? Oh, yes. it was the second book cuz I barely read the third. Yeah. It was the second book. It was the second book. Traumatizing. I was, I was mo- like, really? I had my wi- I had my wisdom teeth out, and I was reading that, and I was like, I'm mortified. <laughs> I was reading it, just going, what? Ew. No. <laughs> well, then I kept reading, and I was like talking to myself. Tell me, they're not in the same carriage as the man that's deceased. That's weird. It is disgusting. It's so strange. It's disgusting. It's awkward. Anyways, um, <laughs> so this book, let me. Give some formal review here. Um, I think it was great to read the whole story, not just what the show gives you. Um, So my plan is to read the rest of the series before season three comes out, Um, which I understand. They're going out of order, which is really interesting to me because they are technically. I think I heard from like TikTok. Wasn't it supposed to be Benedict's season? Well, technically Benedict was supposed to be next. Yeah. But it's Colin and Penelope. Um, and I think Benedict is, well, then I guess people have found out that Eloise is going to be next and then it's going to be Benedict. Okay. And then save, and then save the youngins for last. Well, cause they are last. Cause I mean, they got to grow up obviously. Cause you got to have Francesca. Hold on. I got to go through my mind. EFG. You got to have Francesca and Gregory and Hyacinth. They go in alphabetical order. If you didn't know that. By age, Anthony, Benedict, Colin, Daphne, Eloise, Francesca, That's Gregory, cool. and Hyacinth. They're That's... in order by age, alphabetically. That's neat. It helps me to keep up with all the children. <laughs> I'm like, okay, seven children, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. <laughs> yeah. um, so they, that's the book order, too. No, it's not. No, I was about to say, lied. no. Ignore everything I just said. But the kids, like, Francesca, Hyacinth, and Gregory are, like, in the last. I think Gregory is the absolute last one. But they're going out of order, because technically Benedict's supposed to be next. Oh, well. Um, but, like, getting to see the whole story, my number one, like I said, my number one complaint about season one was that the romance was not built up enough, and it was very, very rushed. Um, and in the book, it's very slow burn, and I loved it. Um... I give the book a five, writing a five, characters a five, plot a five. The spice, I bounced back and forth between three and four because it is quite spicy. There's a lot. <laughs> I would probably give it like a 3.84 or something like that. Like, it's about what you see in the show. But imagine reading it. I know. <laughs> so you're getting all the details. Oh. <laughs> That's rough. Yeah. Um, but I would probably, honestly, after reading the other book that I have on this month's review, I would probably bump that down to three and a half because <laughs> it, it, it can be worse, ladies and gentlemen. It can be a lot worse. For real. Oh my was, gosh. 
Yikes. You'll just have to wait and see what I'm talking about. Ugh. Hallie, next. <laughs> okay. Um, we're going to go to something a little more traumatizing. Um, you know, it's fitting based <laughs> on my next review. The next book that I read was Verity by Colleen Hoover. Now, you guys know I'm not the biggest Colleen Hoover fan, but... I go back and forth with her. Some yeah. Some of the books I love and some of them I hate. Like, but it just... this one... Mm, anyways. All right. Let's just get into it. So... Lowen Ashley is a struggling writer on the brink of financial ruin when she accepts the job offer of a lifetime. Jeremy Crawford, husband of best-selling author Verity Crawford, mm. has hired Lowen to complete the remaining books in a successful series his injured <laughs> wife is unable to finish. <laughs> Nervous quit, laughter. Quit, look, quit looking at me. Um, Lowen arrives at the Crawford home, ready to sort through years of Verity's notes and outlines. <laughs> Yikes. If you know, you know hoping to find enough material to get her started. What Lowen doesn't expect to uncover in the chaotic office is an unfinished autobiography Verity uh-huh. never <laughs> intended for anyone to read. Uh-huh. Oh my God, I don't know if I can get through this. <laughs> Nervous laughter. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope Emily is listening to this. <laughs> I can't even get through the synopsis. Page after page of bone-chilling admissions, including mm-hmm. Verity's recollection of the night ah. her family <laughs> was forever altered. Stop it! <laughs> Stop it! Lowen decides to keep the manuscript hidden from Jeremy, knowing its contents could devastate the already grieving father. But as Lowen's feelings for Jeremy begin to intensify, she recognizes all the ways she could benefit if he were to read his wife's words. After all, no matter how devoted Jeremy is to his injured wife, a truth this horrifying would make it impossible for him to continue loving her. Yay! All right, Hallie. <laughs> Manuscript or letter? I'll get to that. Um, this book was wild. <laughs> I literally could not put it... I literally could not put it down... I literally thought... The part where she's outside and looks up and sees her in the window. Nah. <laughs> I was like, I've been gone. Done. <laughs> this is the worst. I would have left the house. <laughs> I would have left way before that, but yes. I know, for real. Um, This book is just... This book is a red flag in itself. It's one giant red flag. <laughs> Blinding. Very eerie, very creepy. Like, I could not... I once it started to get the once the sun started to set and i was reading it i'd put it down and put it away like i could not i part of me wanted to continue but then part of me was like if i do this i will regret it i will not sleep which the next one that you have I stayed up till like one o'clock in the morning reading the dang thing and then stayed up till three o'clock you literally told thinking me thinking about it you literally told me do not read it at night no i think you and emily I both stayed up till 1 a.m finishing it <laughs> and then i called emily for an hour and a half and then i stayed up further till about 3 three thirty in the morning just thinking about the dang book <laughs> yeah because there's so many questions <laughs> Please this there's a sequel. This book very much reminds me of a Lifetime movie. Mm-hmm. Very much. I'm like, this needs to be adapted into a Lifetime movie. I will watch it. <laughs> um, I did, before we get into, um, I literally don't know who to believe in this book. <laughs> don't know. Which brings me to Manuscript or Letter. I did read the bonus chapter Sunday. I think I'm still Manuscript. Even with the bonus chapter, I, I'm still Manuscript. You know what? I kind of wish I didn't read the bonus chapter because the bonus chapter honestly made me more confused. It does. That's why everyone's like, okay, manuscript or letter after you read the bonus chapter because the letter seems a little bit more convincing. But I don't know. There's some things I just feel I don't like know you couldn't. Because I feel like I kind of still want to go with manuscript because of the way Jeremy acted. Because in the letter, I correct me if I'm... Spoiling. Anyways, if there's something in the letter that makes me think it's the manuscript but it honestly yes i know what you're talking about because that's what always every time i'm like i don't know letter i come back to that because i'm like and who knows maybe they're both shot or who knows maybe the they're both lies (laughs) like the reaction was a little bit too hardcore to not be manuscript verity is at about a level six compared to my next review Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And I know some of the stuff on the creep factor. Yeah, the next book that she's talking about, I did get spoiled for, so I know what you're talking about. 
the trigger warning scene yeah that was rough (laughs) basically i'll tell you what happened so i basically got spoiled for this not by choice um long story short abby came into my room she was reading that book and basically told me a scene that happened i was mortified i was like i was in pain (laughs) i was just like curled up in the fatal position going no Um, about an hour and a half ago i finished haunting adeline by hd carlton and we're gonna talk about it because <laughs> i got some things to say it just about made me choke on my water so the back reads <laughs> the manipulator i can manipulate the emotions of anyone who lets me i will make you hurt make you cry make you laugh and sigh but my words don't affect him especially not when I plead for him to leave. He's always there watching and waiting, and I can never look away, not when I want him to come closer. Part two, the shadow. I didn't want, I didn't mean to fall in love, but now that I have, I can't stay away. I'm mesmerized by her smile, by her eyes, and the way she moves, the way she undresses. I'll keep watching and waiting until I can make her mine. And once she is, I'll never let her go. Not even when she begs me to. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, so let's get into some trigger warning. There's a whole page. There's a whole page. It's rough, guys. That's how you know how bad this book oh, there's is. There's a playlist. <gasps> I have to give that a listen to Hello react party (laughs) okay (laughs) it has a whole page that says important note none of these conspiracies derive from a belief in anti-semitism or QAnon but from my own demented imagination common conspiracies in the media and a a many occult horror movies my dad used to watch growing up this book ends on a cliffhanger the contents are very dark with trigger triggering situations such, such as non dub con between the main I don't know what that means, between the main characters graphic violence human trafficking stalking child trafficking child sacrifice mentions of child death and explicit sexual situations <laughs> the fact that one of the trigger warnings <laughs> Um, there are also particular kinks, such as gunplay, somnophilia, bondage, and degradation. This book was previously taken down due to the warning, but you can also find them in reviews on my website, or feel free to message me directly. Your mental health matters. The fact that this book ends on a cliffhanger is a trigger warning in itself. (laughs) Oh, it really is, though, and I'll explain why. So, I high-key... Don't read this book. <laughs> so, this book is going to do something to my mental health. It already has. Well, did but, did you not you sh- did you not heed Abby's warning? I bid thee farewell. Well, okay. The thing about this book is it's going to do something to your mental health. Like it's going to no matter how stable, you can be the most stable person and this book is going to do something to you. How did she write but that? Because it ends on a cliffhanger, you're therefore like that book was emotionally and mentally tormenting. But now I've got to read the second one. <laughs> because it ends on a cliffhanger that you're like, oh, I have to know. Oh, I have to know. And I went through many emotions reading this book. I went through the same emotions I went through with After as far as like, he's the worst. And if you get back together with him, you're the dumbest person alive. And then two chapters later... He's the best, and if you don't get back together with him, you're the dumbest person alive. <laughs> like, you go through two emotions. Um, so, the main guy, his name is Zade. Who everybody's in love with, and I don't know why. Well. <laughs> Carmen. Carmen. his moments. Carmen. <laughs> there are a lot of red flags. Carmen, he is the red flag. <laughs> he is well, the emoji. He is the red flag. <laughs> it's very hard to explain because there are moments like so she has moments where she's like how could I let my morals slip this far and I'm like you know I'm feeling the same way because I'm kind of rooting for it and I'm like I'm 
the dumbest person alive to be rooting for this. Like, this is the absolute, like, biggest red flag that could ever exist on a person. Worse than... It's happening. Worse than Tamlin. Worse than... Oh, he's the worst one you'll ever meet. Like, he's really... He is but he the does, worst. But, like, his life... Like, what he does, like, as a job, has its pros and cons, too. And that's why everybody's in love with him. <laughs> and they try to excuse his actions. <laughs> But there know, are a lot of moments that I had a rough time reading. Like the one, the one we were talking about. If you've read it, then you know we're not gonna say it. <laughs> I was in the fetal position, <laughs> and just like this is the worst thing I've ever read. Well, see, that's the thing too about this book. Every time you think it can get worse, H.D. <laughs> Carlton said, "You want a bet?" And I would give it a four out of five because. It's a book that you feel like you're the worst person alive while reading it. Like you're actually the worst and should actually be locked up. And you're actually going insane while reading this. But it does keep you hooked. I will say that. You know what page I was on this morning when I picked it up? What? 150. Okay. I finished it an hour and a half ago. You know how many pages it has? How many? 580. I read from page 150 to 580 in a single day in like five hours because it was that good. It keeps you hooked. It really, really does. But for anybody that's struggling mentally health-wise, Do not don't read, read, this, read book. this book because... I'm telling you, the most sane person would have some trauma going away from this book, and I will. But, like I said, it's so addictive that, like, it ends and you're just like, well, now I have to read the second one. (laughs) Gotta see how this ends. Because it ends on two different cliffhangers. Your main male character and your main female character are both in separate situations that end on cliffhangers. I know which ones you're talking about. (laughs) It's gonna be rough. It's gonna be difficult to read. But, yeah, I spent a majority of this book curled up in the fetal position crying, and not because it was sad. Because <laughs> um, you were terrified. Because I was traumatized. It was rough reading. I would give the characters um, probably a four out of five. They were compelling characters, but they got some issues. <laughs> they need to go to therapy. The writing was a five out of five. Like, holds no bars back. The content that they wrote however four out of five but the the writing is so well done like it keeps you hooked mm-hmm. um spice was the maximum you could give five out Do you, of five can you even ra- can five. you even rank it at this unlimited point unlimited infinity the highest you can go in spice level this book's it it was rough man <sighs> Oi. anyways let's move on from this but um good book i'm gonna read the second one it was traumatizing um i need therapy now thank you thank you and good day (laughs) um so i guess literally though like one last final word abby had it perfectly correctly right and you don't understand this until you've read it i bid thee farewell i don't want to read it but i still understand the context (laughs) um so the last book, I yeah, it's my last book, um, that I read in the month of July is A Queen Comes to Power by Chloe C. Pinaranda. It is the second book in the An Air Comes to Rise series. Um, I'm not going to read the second book synopsis. I'm going to read you the first one. Um, in a clash of steel, a mortal body may fall, but in a clash of dreams, a powerful air may rise. Excuse me. <coughs> Um, in the impoverished outer town of a kingdom where Fay outrank humans, Faith, an orphan with a talent for swordplay, knows the importance of keeping her head down around the Fay patrol. She and best friend Jacon or Jakin, I don't know how you say his name, long for a better life, and her desire to swing her sword in combat may bring the purpose and coin she's yearned for. When she draws the attention of royal guard Nick, she soon learns that her mortal nature isn't the only reason to remain out of sight. Nick is a Nightwalker, a silent assassin out of the mind... No. 
Sorry, I'm going to repeat that whole sentence. Nick is a nightwalker, a silent assassin of the mind with the power to enter others' dreams. And whether she trusts him or not, he's about to awaken abilities in faith that shouldn't exist in a human. Nightmarish abilities, deadly abilities. Abilities that will teach faith, blood really does run thicker than water, and if she doesn't trust in higher power soon, blood will run indeed. For this is no battle faith can fight with steel. Within the city walls, suspicions are arising, and here in the outer town, she has deeper bonds to protect. It seems everyone will die with a dark secret to tell, but what if one unlikely human girl was born harboring the darkest secret of all? Man, oh man, if you are a fan of Throne of Glass, you need to read this series. <laughs> um, anyways, I loved A Queen Comes to Power. I didn't love it as much as the second book, but I still very much enjoyed reading it. Um, we definitely got to see some more points of view. You, normally, it was just like, faith's point of view a majority in the first book but you really get you get to see different points of view you get to see nick's point of view taria's point of view jacon's point of view i'm just gonna just call him jacon because i don't really know how to say his name that's what i called him and then you get to see, oh, there is another man introduced in this series another one raylan he's like he's a general and oh my gosh is he better than kale way better than kale he is a general but he is way better than Kaol. Honestly, he's up there with Rowan. <laughs> Which kind of makes sense because he has white hair. <laughs> um, but yeah. Sorry, Nick. Raylan's the love of my life now. <laughs> Honestly, all the men in this series are just fantastic. <laughs> They're all great. Um, they should not be like Zade. They are not like Zade. <laughs> They are a green flag compared to Zane. <laughs> I really do have a, some slight PTSD from this book today. <laughs> Anyways, um, this book did slow down a bit because there were a lot of scenes where it did kind of drag because a majority of this book takes place inside the palace. And so, yeah, there are some scenes. The bickering between Faith and Raylan top tier <laughs> very much very much alan and rowan vibes very much so because they're uh, um there's a certain there's a certain line that is said that reminds me of them anyways um i wish she wouldn't any um the last few 100 pages were crazy i was literally afraid people were going to die it was wild Lots of things were revealed, and I was like, oh, gosh. What else? It can't get any worse. Um, and I really wish she would not end these books on dang cliffhangers, because the last one ended on a cliffhanger. Tell me about it. Then I this one ended on this, this one ended on a cliffhanger with, with the epilogue. She has epilogues, and they end on cliffhangers. I'm like, <sighs> luckily, I have the third book, so which will probably wind up with me getting the fourth and the fifth book. And as well as her other book that she's coming out with for her new series. Anyways. Um, yeah, I would give this one a four and a half out of five. I am. Um, I don't love. I didn't love it as much as I loved the first book. I didn't fly through it as much as I did the first book. I will say that. So that's why I kind of got bumped down. But yeah, can't wait for the third. <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> And that is all that we had. The last few were traumatizing. <laughs> last we went, few. That's why I was like, I'm starting out with the least traumatizing book on my list. Well, I kind of started out, I started out with depression. Then I went to lighthearted. Then I went to straight psychotic. And then I went to just bonkers. <laughs> All right. Well, that's kind of all we had for this week's episode. I don't know what we're talking about next week. <laughs> um, but thank you guys so much for listening. And, you know, leave all the comments and questions and thoughts in the comment section below. Give us a follow on all our socials. They'll be linked below as well. Um, rate us five, scar five scars. 
See, I read this book too much already. Yeah. Rate us five stars. And, you know, be sure to subscribe to us. And we will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.